The title of the sermon is, It Is I. It Is I. We're going to look at John 6, verses 16 through 35. Um, let me just read verses 25 to 35, and then we'll look at the text. John 6, 25. When they found him, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, this is the crowd, um, people, presumably many of the people who were there when Jesus fed the 5,000. They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, and gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us with a uh, clear mind to understand in our minds the word of God. We pray for tender hearts to receive and embrace the word of God, that it might transform our hearts and our lives to be in alignment with your plan and your will and your purpose for us. Speak to us and help us to see you Jesus name we pray. Amen. Uh, so like we talked about last week, this is a continuation. John chapter 6 is a long um, miracle and discourse together. Uh, Jesus just fed the 5,000 and this is a continuation and uh, you'll see running themes that continues from last week onto this week, onto next week. And uh, it's a running theme throughout, throughout this book throughout this chapter that we'll see. Okay, so this narrative continues and picks up right after the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, so we'll, that's the context. Remember what we talked about, what you discussed in life group this week. That's where we pick up here. Okay, so first, uh, point, first point, Jesus walks on the sea. Jesus walks on the sea. Okay, in verse 16, evening came, these verses we did not read, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the end. At, at the land to which they were going. Okay, so context is Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. That took place on the, the east side of the Sea of Galilee, 
of the passage previously told us it was in the far side, which means it was in the east side of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples got into the boat there, began crossing the sea, going west to Capernaum. And John, John here includes a couple of details in this account. In verse 17, he says, it was dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. Uh, he mentions that it was dark because, and the fact that Jesus was not there with them, because that's kind of a recurring theme in John's gospel. He uses darkness and light and that contrast to portray the reality of the gospel. For example, if you remember back in chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. John 3 verse 2. And that reflects the darkness of not knowing Jesus. Later on, Judas leaves to betray Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 30. And then it says, he immediately went out and it was dark. I mean, it was night. John includes that and he's using that light-darkness contrast. Because darkness symbolizes being away from Jesus. Because Jesus is the light of the world. So these two details, that it was dark and that Jesus was not there. Those are not unrelated details that John includes. And on top of that, it says the sea became rough because of the strong winds, and the disciples were frightened. So this scene, if you think about it, this scene portrays the experience of a life that is apart from Jesus, that is apart from Jesus. And to that scene, Jesus appears, in his power, walking on the sea, and he comes saying, it is I, do not be afraid. And as a result of that, it says the disciples are glad because now Jesus is with them in the boat. Previously, darkness, turmoil, fear, now they're glad because Jesus is here. So if you think about where this account takes place. It's recorded in John's Gospel between the feeding of the 5,000 and the Bread of Life discourse. The feeding of the 5,000 ended with the crowd wanting to make Jesus king by force. Jesus withdrew because he wasn't that kind of king, and now Jesus appears and reveals himself on his terms. And now before Jesus, before John moves on to the Bread of Life discourse, where he's going to expound on receiving the bread from heaven and what that means. Now, John seems to be saying here, this is the difference that eating the bread of life from heaven will make in your life. John shows a visible picture of what life without Jesus looks like and what life with Jesus looks like and says, this is what will happen when Jesus comes into your life on your terms. Now, when Jesus appears on the lake, he says, it is I. Literally, it is I um, translates to I am. And this is fitting because these words, I am, sets up the coming I am sayings in the Gospel of John. It is I, I am, I am what? And the first one, first one of those I am sayings is, I am the bread of life, which Jesus would talk about. 
the first. Jesus walks on the sea. Secondly, the food that endures. The food that endures. So the next day, the crowd realized that Jesus wasn't there. And so um, they caught up to Jesus. So they got into boats, caught up to Jesus in Capernaum. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, this would have been obviously a great opportunity for Jesus to kind of uh, impress the crowd even more, right? Jesus, when did you come here? Oh, why I walked here, you know, on the lake. I don't need a boat. I could have flown if I wanted to. But Jesus doesn't do that because he knew, Jesus knew, that what the crowd needed was not another miracle. Jesus knew what they really needed. Verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you're seeking me, not because you saw the signs, not because you understand what the miracles you saw signifies, but because you ate your fill of the Lord, because you were with me and you got your bellies full. That's why you're seeking me. You see, they were supposed to see the sign, the miracle, and realize that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the bread from heaven that everyone must eat to attain eternal life. That's why, that, that's what the, the, the miracle was showing. That's why everyone there was able to eat as much as they wanted, and they had more left after the meal than they had before. But that's not what they saw. That's not what they understood. They saw Jesus because um, they wanted Jesus to keep filling their stomachs. It endures to eternal life. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So Jesus knows what they're after. He knows why they're coming after him. So he's saying, don't seek after the wrong things. Don't seek after perishable things. Don't be charmed by a full belly. And he points them to what's eternal, what their souls really need. Seek after the food that endures to eternal life. You know, we read this and we, we kind of think like, oh man, that crowd, they're like so silly. You know, like Jesus is talking about these spiritual things, right? They're so stuck on temporary things, earthly things. They're thinking about bread when Jesus is talking about bread from heaven. Why are they doing that? Why are they so wrongly focused on those earthly things when Jesus is offering them Bread from heaven. And we think like that, but we do the same thing. I remember even in the past 10 years how uh, we, people here in Minnesota, got so excited about new restaurant openings. You know, I remember when Dunkin' Donuts opened up in the Twin Cities for the first time a few years ago and people were going crazy about it. Oh, Dunkin' Donuts is finally here. And the lines were out the door. And after we went to Dunkin' Donuts and had our Boston cream donut, what did we say after that? Oh, all we need now is for Krispy Kreme to come. 
I remember when Giordano's opened up in Minnesota. And then all the deep dish pizza people were excited about it. Lines were out the door. And what did we say after that? Oh, this is great. But now all we need is for Illuminati's to come to Minnesota. I remember when Pratello's came to Woodbury. And all the Italian people, Italian people, <laughs> Italian beef people. The Italian beef lovers were going crazy about it. I mean, we do this all the time, right? Like we drive in our neighborhoods and we see the random signs pocket pop, popping up. Oh, look, oh, Chick-fil-A is coming here. Awesome. Oh, Popeye's is opening here. Oh, yeah, Popeye's so much better than KFC. And you know, like, oh, this is awesome, this is awesome. All we need now is, what do we always say? All we need now is an In-N-Out burger to come to the Twin Cities. And the thing is, it's not just about food. We have this irrational love for things that perish. We love perishable things in this world. Just like these, these crowd who are so easily satisfied so easily swayed because their stomachs were full. So Jesus is saying the same thing to us. Seek after the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Verse 28, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus said what he said, and the people, of course, misunderstood what Jesus meant. They believe that they're capable of doing what God requires, the works that God requires. What must we do to be doing the works of God? So they believe that they can do the works that God requires to attain this food that Jesus is talking about. Even though Jesus just said the food that endures eternal life is something that the Son of Man will give to you. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. But Jesus clarifies that what they should be seeking is not attainable by themselves. The work of God, or what God requires of you, the work that God requires of you, is the work to believe in me. What work God requires, that work is the work of surrender and trust. What work God requires is work of faith to believe in him whom he has sent it's been fun doing the March Madness bracket I, I wrote this illustration before this morning so it's been fun it's, a, it's not really fun anymore but it says it here in my notes it's been fun doing the March Madness bracket with our church should have, should have scratched that. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point is this. Uh, like, we look at our bracket, and then we see the, 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 the green game, right? The green game, meaning the outcome that we got right. And then we think, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Like, 
Yeah, I got, I got that right. We look at the red game, the outcome that we got wrong, and then like, we strangely think, we go like, oh, I should have picked the other team. I mean, that's what I think. Like when I see they got it wrong, oh, man, like, oh, I could have, I could have, I should have picked the other team. Why didn't I pick the other team? And as I think like that, it's funny because we actually think that, that we should have known. Oh, like, I could have easily picked the other team. Why didn't I? But the thing is, there's no way that we could have known. That's why ESPN offers a second chance bracket, which is coming Tuesday, which I'm not participating in. You see, we're incapable of knowing who's going to win each game. And we're incapable in the same way of doing what God requires. So the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. What God requires of you is the work to surrender and trust in Jesus Christ. That we might have the food that endures. Thirdly, lastly, the bread from heaven. The bread from heaven. Verse 30. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now, this seems kind of out of place because Jesus basically just showed them a sign the day before, right? They themselves saw the sign and in response to the sign said, Is this the prophet we're expecting? But obviously one sign wasn't enough, right? The people always wanted another sign. And then one more sign after that. So what they're saying here is, right, what can you show us? What work will you perform? Sign after sign, the endless pursuit of more signs. Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So now they're thinking about Moses and manna. Because, right, they were wondering, is this a prophet like Moses that God promised? And so that triggers probably the thought of Moses and manna in the wilderness. Is this the prophet that was promised to come? And if he is, then he should be able to do greater signs than Moses did. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Um, if you look at that verse, verse 32, notice what Jesus does not say. He does not say, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, but my Father who gave you that manna. He does not say that. Rather, he says, it was not Moses who gave you that bread, right, bread from heaven, but my Father gives you, present tense, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, God providing manna all those years ago was pointing to this moment. He's saying, what you see before you now is what Moses was pointing to. This is what the manna was pointing to. History was looking forward to this very moment when the bread of heaven 
will appear. He's saying, don't get stuck on the manna in the past because the manna from heaven was foreshadowing the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Um, they still don't get it, right? They're still stuck on the manna because they're saying, give us this bread always meaning day after day, give us his bread like the manna of the past. So now Jesus makes it crystal clear. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Earlier, Jesus identified himself saying, I am. It is I, I am. Now Jesus fills in the blank. I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven that gives life to the world. Whoever believes in me by faith will not hunger. I am the bread that you must eat by faith to have eternal life. Um, some months ago, I think this, is, this was before winter, they were giving away free ice cream at the Shoreview YMCA, at the YMCA parking lot. They had this, uh, this big 18-wheeler truck parked in the lot full of ice cream, like boxes of, boxes of ice cream. Okay? And all you had to do was pull up, and it was free. Okay? Uh, our family, we love ice cream. What do we love more than ice cream? Free ice cream. So uh, one of our, our, our boys was at the Y, and um, I think he was on his bike. <laughs> and I think he came home with some ice cream. Right on his bike, and he told, "Oh, this is right." So, so Christine went, "Oh, okay." So, and and so they they stuffed her trunk with ice cream. That's so much; they're just giving it away. They're, you got to give it away. So when she came home with the free ice cream, I said, "Oh, that's free." So I went with my car, and they stuffed my trunk with ice cream. We had so much ice cream. We can like we were we were like we were giving it we gave it to the neighbor in front of us, you know, bags of ice cream. We gave some to the neighbor next to us, a free ice cream. Oh yeah, Jesus loves you. Here you go, free ice cream. And we were like giving it away, and then and then we called some people in our church who live near. Hey Jesse, come over here, get some ice cream. And so he came. Hey Sony, hey you want some ice cream? And then uh, like. We were eating free ice cream for a really long time until we got so tired of it. Uh, and it was not possible to eat all that ice cream. So we ended up having to uh, throw away the rest. Uh, that's our free ice cream experience. The thing is, like, we're so, that's just like, we're so like that. We're so quick to get on board with the latest thing that impresses us, right? Things like, oh, one month free membership at the, at the gym. Oh, sign me up for that. It's free? For sure. Sign me up for that. Oh, three free months of internet? Sign me up for that. Oh, free ice cream? Sign me up for that. And those things are fine and we do that, right? Like we're impressed by these, these uh, trends or fads or whatever it might be. Like we're so quick to sign up for the things that, that entice us. And it's fine but the problem is that it's that same attitude. It's that same attitude that we bring 
when we come to Jesus. Oh, free bread? For sure, sign me up for that. And we seek after Jesus for exactly that, for the ways that he fills our stomachs, for the ways that he gives us the things that we want, and we forget what it means to really follow Jesus. Think about it in this way. Trials and hardships are a part of life, right? Uh, those things, trials, hardships, difficult moments in life, those things will always be there. They will constantly be a part of our lives. But for most of us, for probably all of us, there will be times in our lives, perhaps one or two moments, when God takes us through some real deep sufferings. When he, when he really leads us to the deep valleys of the shadow of death. Maybe like, you know, a couple moments throughout the course of our entire lives. When the suffering is so deep, so severe that you really experience the reality of Psalm 23, the depth of the shadow of death. When those moments come, and this is what we're saying, when those moments come, and we can pretty much say they're surely to come. When those moments come, if we came to Jesus because of the free bread, there's no way that we'll be able to survive those moments. If we came to Jesus because of the same attitude that we have toward the perishable things in this world that impress us, there's no way we're walking out of that shadow of death, still standing with Jesus side by side. So I think the question that this passage leaves us with is this. Basically, do we truly believe in what Jesus is saying here? Do we really believe? Do we, do we truly believe that Jesus is the bread from heaven? Do we truly believe that the darkness and the turmoil and the fears of this life will turn to gladness only when we believe in Jesus Christ? I think the question is, do I truly believe in the depth of my heart that whoever comes to him will not hunger? And because I, I believe that in the depth of my soul, I'm not living my life being impressed by the perishable things in this world. Uh, before we finish, uh, obviously the shootings, the shooting in Georgia is in all of our hearts today. And uh, again, uh, over and over again, but perhaps this uh, more than others, perhaps this incident more than others, uh, are maybe striking us different in different ways, reminding us that um, this world is broken and that there are wrongs, there are tragedies that we experience in this life every day. And, uh, you know, no matter what, um, 
I mean, obviously, we um, talked about it a little bit at FNL. Uh, Pastor Aiden talked about it, addressing um, and pertaining to the topics that he's been talking about. I think it's very relevant, uh, you know, as we talk about capital punishment and then previously talked about a church and state and, you know, different, like, obviously people are going to have, even Christians are going to have different perspectives on these kinds of issues and how much the church should be involved and, and what kind of attitude Christians should have. And, you know, we talked about, he talked about that extensively more at FNL. But at the end of the day, when we experience things like this and the feelings that arise uh, when, we, when we live through things like this, um, and perhaps like maybe now you know of firsthand loved ones that are being affected um, by what's going on and maybe you feel it in your own neighborhood that feelings that you've never had before um, as an Asian American but at the end of the day whatever we're experiencing may things like this cause us to get on our knees because ultimately we're turning our hope to Jesus Christ Again, we're understanding that all the things in this world, no matter what it is, will fail to meet our expectations, will not um, meet our hopes and expectations. But that only in Jesus Christ, whoever comes to him. Let's pray together. So if you picture that scene with the disciples in the middle of the sea, the winds are picking up, the waves are rising, there's turmoil surrounding you, it's dark, this is what it feels like to be away from Jesus, Jesus is not here. And then in that moment, Jesus appears, says, it is I, um, and then everything changes. Jesus comes into the boat, there's security, there's safety, there's life with Jesus Christ, whoever comes to me, will not hunger. Uh, what is that scene on the sea for you in your life today? Uh, what turmoil, what darkness, what fear are you experiencing? And in that scene, Jesus is inviting us to turn away from the perishable things that we hope in inviting us to himself the true bread from heaven that we might surrender our wrong hopes and wrong dreams and turn our hearts to him that we might be forever and truly completely satisfied in him heavenly father we thank you for your grace your mercy and your love for us we thank you for the provision the bread of life Lamb of God, that we might eat of him and experience the fullness of life that is only possible in him. Thank you, Lord. Help us to worship, help us to give our hearts more and more fully to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we once again thank you for your word. We thank you for your constant care and shepherd over us, shepherding over us. No matter what we go through, no matter how even perhaps when we turn away 
you do not leave or forsake us because your love is constant in Jesus Christ. Your love is steadfast and you do not fail. Thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, Lord, we pray that we would heed the word of God. Your spirit would allow it to, um, to bear fruit in our hearts, causing us to respond in obedience by faith, turning to Jesus Christ, hoping in him, and allow the word to be the fuel, the power that is behind our actions, and the decisions that we make. Uh, may you feel a greater love in our hearts for the things of God, wanting to please you. And we ask that your spirit would do that in response to your word. Um, go with us, especially as we go through uh, confusion, turmoil, tr trials, and sufferings. Help us to see um, the great I am you are with us, walking through us, uh, side by side. Uh, and may that be our hope, no matter what troubles we go through in this world. Thank you, Lord. Help us to go through the remaining time of this Lent well, that we might draw near to you. Help us experience great renewal and revival within our hearts. And may there be only uh, Jesus that satisfies our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the great, awesome, unconditional love, the love of the Father God, and the fellowship and the strength, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, God's people, both now and forever. Amen.